You ready for this? Yeah. If is the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday, experience it with your whole family. Can we do it again? If ready PG. And welcome to another edition of Tunnel Vision, a show brought to you by USCfootball.com. I'm your host, Kilior, joined by Ryan Abraham. And looking like he's trying to escape, Mr. Chris Trevino. Uh, he's filling in for shotgun. He's excited. A little hyperventilating, but <laughs> I'm making that a verb. Uh, Chris, how are you doing today? Uh, to be honest, I, I don't really know where I am. Uh, I know Ryan asked me to be on the show earlier in the week. I politely declined. <laughs> And a couple hours ago, I went to check my mail, and the last thing I remember is being attacked from behind. And now I'm in this room. <laughs> Where are you? I can not see you. I can only hear you. Poor Chris is in the other room. We're yes. doing our social distancing show. But I do want to thank Heartfelt. Like, honestly, I make a lot of jokes. Thank you, Chris, for coming on, because Shotgun couldn't make it. This is not necessarily Chris's comfort zone when it comes to live television kind of things, but he's been nice enough to do it. He's been awesome. If you will listen to the Family Feud podcast plug um, for the, yeah, so check it out. He's been great on that. I know you're going to do a great one tonight, Chris, but I do thank you for coming on. Ryan, that is so sweet, but in all seriousness, <laughs> seriousness, go F yourself. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a lot of F yourselves before we started uh, the show, so uh, this will be a fun one. Uh, we have a lot to talk about. USC hired their strength and conditioning uh, head coach, if you will. Uh, we'll get into that. Also, the latest on the offense of line search we'll talk about what we're hearing uh, and then july january 18th is the nfl deadline to declare so we'll talk about who's left and who has left uh, as always you can call us 5124 tunnel you can also tweet at us hashtag tunnel vision i'll put your tweet up on the screen and wherever you are watching whether it is facebook youtube or periscope put your comments questions concerns i will monitor them chris if you feel so inclined you can do your best shotgun impression and do so no, <laughs> okay. I simply refuse. Okay, so I will be monitoring your guys' comments to so make sure uh, you leave your questions for Chris. I'm sure he'll love to answer them. Um, like I said, Ryan, let's start off with you. Sure. You had some takes about this hire. Robert Steiner, he uh, comes from Notre Dame. He was for uh, he was with Luke Fickle for his first year at Cincinnati. What were your initial takes from this move? Yeah, so I think um, initially my thought was, I would have liked to see USC go out and get someone that was a current head strength coach somewhere, maybe at a, you know, a lower, um, you know, power five program or you know, something like that, where you were just kind of moving up from a, you know, middle, middle of the road program to a bigger program uh, like USC, as opposed to more of like a peer program, like a Notre Dame and hiring one of the assistants and promoting him. But the people I've talked to at Notre Dame and the, that, since I've, you know, talking about Robert Steiner, just. All I've got is uh, rave reviews and, and how it, uh, he was such a big part of the turnaround that Notre Dame made uh, a few years back. You remember when we talked about, you know, 
making that the wholesale changes as far as like coordinators go and bringing in a new strength and conditioning staff. And he was definitely part of that. Obviously the connection to Luke Fickle and, um, and Mike Bone when he was at Cincinnati, but really the, the people I talked to that covered Notre Dame, they're just saying it was night and day what the strength and conditioning program was like before those guys got there and they made, and they made the changes. So, um, you know, the people I talked to, they were like, you know, if you said, Hey, you're hiring one of these guys that makes a lot of sense to me just because it's been such a big turnaround and you saw Notre Dame going from what were they were four and eight or whatever. And, you know, going to the playoffs. So I think it's really been a positive there. Uh, I do trust the, the vetting process and the interview process that USC is conducting now, unlike before, <laughs> where it wasn't really much of a process. It was just, oh, do we know you? Yeah, okay, come on in. We'll hire you. Um, so I feel like I don't know as much about you know, the research I've done has all been positive. I, we're going to try to do more because obviously it just happened this week. But I feel like USC kind of, you know, dotted their I's, crossed their T's, and found a guy that they thought was going to be good for the strength program. So overall, yeah, I, mean, I think I'm pretty positive uh, on this hire. Yeah, they obviously have history with him because he was at Cincinnati. But just talking about Notre Dame strength and conditioning, they're really uh, credited for the turnaround. I know one of the times, uh, one of the games that they had, uh, the strength and conditioning coach, the head guy, got the game ball. So, <laughs> And then if you look at uh, the combine, no Notre Dame's done really well individually. Uh, their players have the last two years at the combine. And that's something when I was doing my research, uh, they've sold to recruits how they'll help you get ready for uh, the NFL as well. So uh, that was, it was really interesting reading about their workouts because they were like, we know someone's going to throw up. We don't know who <laughs> someone's going to throw up each time we do a workout. So uh, interesting anecdotes there. But Chris, we haven't gotten your thoughts about it. What were your initial takeaways? I'm going to be honest. I thought you guys forgot I was here and I thought <laughs> I was going to cruise through this, but I see what Ryan is saying about maybe p p plucking a guy who's been running his program maybe at a lower level, giving him a chance to do uh, that job at a higher level like USC. But I kind of like the fact that they're going with the hungry young assistant who hasn't had the chance to run his own program. Give him a shot here. You have to do all your, your research, like you said, and the rate and the reviews have been good. But I like picking a hungry guy who hasn't gotten a chance to run his own thing and try to create that and build it the way he has and how he's learned from, um, from all these different people that he's you know uh, coached under. Interesting. Yeah. And Chris did a good story about the reaction to the hire. So a lot of former Notre Dame players, uh, guys like Matt Leiter welcoming him in. But w there was a lot of positivity from guys that he worked with. So I think that's a good sign when you have all these people yeah. coming out of the woodwork saying, hey, man, he's our guy. And uh, so, yeah, the, I like that perspective, Chris, where you, you know get a hungry guy who wants to come in and uh, kick some butt when he gets to USC. Kicking some butt, and I think we're bearing the lead. The guy was a former amateur <laughs> MMA fighter. How we not have talked about this in the first five minutes? I feel like that's a good skill to have, you know, just in your back pocket. That is that is alpha to the max. There's nothing tougher than going into a ring and fighting a guy who's trying to knock your block off. That, that's the mentality you want, especially in those trenches. So I, I'm all for that. That's a great little tidbit, and I can't wait for that to be the number one spring feature in spring football. Everyone's going to do that story. <laughs> That's true, probably. We'll try to get him to come on here. We had we got to have Aaron Ospis come in here. He actually lived in, you know, in Redondo Beach close by, and it was great to talk to him and get his philosophies. Like I always say, never, I'm not a strength and conditioning expert, but it's always cool to kind of talk to those guys and get what their thought process is. Everyone has different philosophies of how they want to develop these football players. So it'll be really interesting. Hopefully we get a chance to uh, talk to him sometime soon. Mm-hmm. Sorry, go for it, Chris. I was just going to say, as I think people would like to see, as a former black belt myself, me and him going a say. couple rounds, 
Maybe set it up, maybe a little pay-per-view type action, tunnel vision. Oh. Let me get my ass kicked by the new strength and conditioning coach. I can even ask him questions while he's, you know, he's got me in a in a choke. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. That's some creative content, Chris. Love that. Um, <laughs> now, I will pay to see that. Yes, that would be great. Yeah. Uh, to your point, Ryan, uh, to be a devil's advocate, if you will, um, if someone else came from a, a lower level program and came over, wouldn't you say, hey, you need someone with more experience to run SC strength and conditioning program? I think it depends on how much experience they would have had. It's really just having that title before where that's kind of what USC was doing, you know, with a lot of their hires when you're hiring athletic directors that what have they not done before? Well, they've done this. That, they've never been an athletic director before. You're like, well, maybe get someone that's been an athletic director. Same thing. Maybe get someone that's been a head strength and conditioning coach. It's. If it, you know, if the guy was like at Toledo for ten years and he was just like kicking butt, you're like, oh, bring him up here. It's really going to be doing a similar sort of thing. It's just you're doing it at a more high profile uh, program. If it was someone that would only had like a year or two experience, yeah, I, I could see the the point there. But I like Chris's idea here, where you're getting the hunger guy who's you know he's been at a, you know he's been coaching guys that have been in the playoffs, you know, sending guys to the combine like you mentioned. Um, so it seems like that transition makes a little bit more sense um, than maybe. Hiring Lin Swan to be your athletic director, of course. Yeah, you know, where just yeah, out sure. of the blue. Yeah, you know. sure. Apples and oranges, maybe in that sense. Yeah. Um, now, as far as the offensive line search, that's still something that is uh, out there. We're hearing a lot of names. They come and go. Um, as far as Brad Davis, we talked about that on the Peristyle. That was something where USC uh, did interview him. But uh, I think it, uh, the football scoop came out with a report that said that he turned down the job. I was told that that wasn't the case. He didn't even get into offer uh, status. So uh, something there. Ryan, what have you been hearing from this offensive line search? They've, you know, We've talked about this. We've mentioned some uh, some stuff in the war room, um, and they, I think USC is doing a better job. They're keeping pretty quiet about things now. It's just it's just like I said, the search process is a little bit more buttoned up. You know, you understand what they're doing. I think they're going out and doing the right things. We've put up a couple versions of our hot board so far. If you want to go check that out on USAFootball.com, uh, there was the name like one name that did come up more recently. And uh, he ends up getting hired by Arizona State. What was it? I forget. It's Clayton a, Adams. Clayton Adams. Yeah. So um, was he the Colts? Was he like yeah. with yeah. the Colts? Yeah. So they're, they're actually, you know, heard a little bit more about that. So like, oh, that seemed like an interesting one. Uh, but there was other programs that were in the market for uh, an offensive line coach. And you wonder from some of the behind the scenes stuff, what's going on? Because you do have, uh, you know, Herm Edwards is probably not going away next year, you know. Clay Helton, he's been on hot feet for a couple of years now. Like there's, there's always going to be that, Hey, I want to come into the program, but I want to have a little bit more stability. What if, you know, they move on and, and get a different head coach. So there, you know, I think there could be some, you know, some issues with something like that. So maybe they, USC has to offer multiple years, uh, things like that. So we'll, we'll see, but that's, I mean, I, it seemed like they were really in contention for, for, for Clayton Adams and, uh, you know, he ends up at Arizona state, but like I said, I like the process that they're going through. I think they're going to, you know, vet these guys, interview guys, and, and try to find the best fit for what they're going to do uh, with Graham Harrell. So as far as Adams goes, I was told that uh, he they knew ASU was in, kind of in the waiting, and then they told him that he wasn't going to be the guy on Friday. So that was something that happened pretty quickly for Adams there. Okay. So, so he was waiting for USC's response, and they decided that he wasn't a fit uh, for them and, and the offense and whatnot. So there you go. So yeah. the, the latest on Adams. Chris, I have not forgotten about you. I know you also give some updates on the uh, offensive line hot board. What have been your thoughts about this process? I think you guys kind of hit on it 
that they're being deliberate and like you said they you you weren't going to be our guy i think it's important that this time it feels like they're being very deliberate and they're trying to get the right guy not just a guy to come in and just fill fill that space with a body they want to get that right fit so you know this is a big important hire given the the struggles of the offensive line you know seems like the this whole decade so i think this is this is a good sign that they're kind of taking their time going through the process as best they can to really find that right fit that's going to mesh with Graham Hill's offense right now, because that wasn't the case when you had with Tim Drevo the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. And I think we, we mentioned this in the war room too. I think we probably talked about it on some of the podcasts where, you know, you expect them to, you know, they might hire someone fairly quickly, but they're not going to say, we need to hire someone fairly quickly. They're yep. going to do their, you know, the vetting process and try to find uh, the right hire because it's, it's a big deal. And I think you look at some of the hires that were made last year, I think they're, you know, they seem to all be good ones, right? I mean, yeah. anyone that's have any of the coaches that have come in under, you know, since Mike Bone had been hired, uh, you're seeing a higher quality of assistant, not just oh, we we know who that guy is, and so let's let's hire him. Um, you're really trying to find guys that are good at their jobs. I mean, a guy like Todd Orlando, some people didn't like the hire because he got fired by Texas, but two years ago he was one of the hot assistants out there, you know, and uh, he looked, you know, I think he did a good job improving. Uh, this USC defense, even without spring practice and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think they're doing a better job of, of figuring out who's a, a good fit for head coaches. Like when, De- uh, um, was it McCullough? That was, Dylan, yeah. Yeah, Dylan McCullough. Like when he was hired, you were like, wow, that's a really good one. That was sort of a one-off. That was like one of those things where you haven't seen that as much, um, you know, those kind of hires. And I think you're seeing more uh, things like that, going out and finding people that are just uh, good at their jobs. And I expect them to... Bring someone good in uh, to coach the offensive line. Mm-hmm. Yep, I agree. Chris, any thoughts to add there? Not really, Keely. <laughs> okay, <laughs> no worries. Now, we haven't really heard much about any more movement as far as guys. I know, I think I talked, I forget, we have so many shows, I forget where I talked about it. Isaiah Polmau was one of those guys who, when the uh, season first ended, was a guy who uh, sounded like he was going to leave, and now we haven't heard as much. Last I was told, he's kind of on the fence. As far as the, the quietness, Chris, have you heard anything about guys maybe leaving or even hitting the transfer portal? No, it's been... You know, awfully quiet out there. When it comes to draft stuff or draft entrance, that is usually a, a good sign that, like you said, was with Isaiah. You know, maybe having second thoughts about leaving, which was kind of it felt like the case early. So, getting him back would be huge. And the fact that it's coming up to the deadline for me, it feels like it's leaning towards coming back for another season, which would be great for this defense. Mm-hmm. And in terms of transfers, transfers seem to be a little bit, you hear that little bit of smoke, but then sometimes you don't hear anything at all and just comes out of nowhere. Yeah. And I haven't really been hearing anything like that. You know, there was some smoke earlier with the running backs. Um, that's kind of died down a little bit. Um, so we'll see moving forward, but nothing really alarming going on right now. As far as what we what USC can get out of the portal, you wrote, Chris, about uh, a couple tackles uh, that are in the portal. Uh, who do you think is a viable option for USC in that sense? Well, obviously the number one guy on USC's list and probably a lot of USC fans' list is the former five-star composite offensive tackle, Wayne Morris, I think I'm saying that correctly, out of Tennessee. Um, answered the portal uh, earlier this week put USC among his finalists along with Oklahoma and Texas A&M. That would be a huge instant impact, plug and play, fill a minute left tackle, don't forget, don't worry about it. Um, they need someone to protect Keaton Slovis' blind side in 2021. That's the most important thing. And I had offensive tackles, the number one portal need for them. 
Um, they've hit a couple with those defensive additions, but it's time to go mining uh, for some linemen. And that guy would be a huge impact for them, having experience in the SEC as a starter and given his talent coming out of high school. And it's significant that USC is in that final three, not having an offensive line coach. So I yeah. think it's important that they get somebody in, not too quickly, but relatively soon so they can help sell him and maybe close out because Texas A&M and Oklahoma do have a little bit of lead. They each have at least one crystal ball prediction for him. So USC has them catching up to the catching up to do in that regard, but it's a good sign that they're already in that finalist uh, position. Yeah. Ryan, how much do you think that comes into play? You're trying to get some type of offensive lineman out of the portal and you don't have an offensive lineman uh, line coach to really sell. How does that dynamic go? I mean, that's I mean, obviously there's a relationship that's going to be there. So if you don't have someone that can kind of be the direct recruit, it's going to be more about how you would fit into the offense, why, you know, that, that you're losing Elijah Vera Tucker, you can come in and, and step in and, and take his role right away. Pac-12, you know, it's not exactly the SEC. You can come in and, and you know, win a conference championship. Um, so I think there's some things you can sell, but without having that position coach, you're going to be a little bit at a disadvantage. You want to have that good relationship uh, with your position coach. And if you're especially you're transferring and you're, you know, for your last go at it, you want to, you know, work with somebody that you, you've had a, you know, some kind of relationship with, or at least feel comfortable when you met the person. So I, I think there's some of the fans that really want USC to move this coaching search along because they want to uh, get, they know you have to get somebody from the transfer portal to play on the offensive line. But I think it's more important to get, you know, get the right guy as far as coaching those guys and then, you know, do what you can uh, with the transfer portal. Yeah, because why would you really rush that? I feel like that's not, I feel like that's an internet take rather than a <laughs> we're in the administration and we do things well take. Why wouldn't yeah. you take your time and just get the right guy and not worry too much about timing in that sense? Yeah, unless there was, you know, like there's this can't miss tackle that really wants to come to USC, but you need an offensive line coach. Like, you know, there might be something that, you know, he's a future number one pick or whatever. Um, but you know, outside of that, like you're going to have to find somebody. And I think there's, there's going to be a lot of people in the portal. So I think there's going to be some options, uh, to find a plug and play guy that you can come in. I mean, just, you know, even if it's someone that's serviceable, but you know, you have some options of the younger guys that are at USC. There's just not a, a proven commodity that you can come in and step in. They had to move Elijah Veritucker over this year and that ended up working out really well. I think for USC and for him, I think that helped his draft stock as well. He's going to be a, a first round draft pick, but who's the heir apparent? There wasn't really an obvious choice yeah. uh, for that. Yeah. Now, as far as uh, potential portal moves, we did see uh, Marquis Step commit to Nebraska. Chris, do you think that USC needs to get uh, a running back out of the portal eventually? I know they lost out to TJ Pledger. He committed to Utah, but is there anyone you think that should commit to USC or, or come to USC? And is that something that USC needs as far as running back depth? I know we talked about this on the Family Feud podcast. Yeah, we did a nice plug there, Keely. Nice plug <laughs> there, Keely. Always, always for the brand. Mm -hmm, you know it. Um, yeah, I think th as we said on the on the podcast, it's going to be really hard to sell a running back to come to USC given the struggles last year. Maybe you can sell a little bit with getting a new O-line coach and they're like, hey, this wasn't the right fit. We're going to do things differently in 2021. You can sell that, but it's still hard with the optics of it and how badly they looked at times. And then you have guys leaving and then rumors of guys leaving. I think at some point you're going to have to address uh, the portal for a running back as far as maybe even depth or a guy that can sit and wait till till next season. Um, Keontae Ingram is an interesting guy. He was at Texas. He was a former starter there, I believe, in 2019. Started a couple couple games, but Bijan Robinson has really come and take that role, taken that role, uh, that starting job from him. So he is an interesting guy. Obviously, he has connections 
with uh, some of the Texas guys on the staff, and they're very pro-Texas, as you know. So that could be a guy they could reach in for, and I believe they recruited him out of high school. He could be an interesting option just because he kind of fits uh, that all-purpose back. He has a lot of catches. I believe he has 67 catches in his career uh, as a running back, so that fits perfectly with the air raid. So he's the guy they could look at, um, but again, it's going to be hard to sell a high-profile back, especially when you have two older guys that are you know waiting there in Vavai and Steven who could be back next season. Yeah. Uh, I was called you shotgun. Ryan, any thoughts on that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think there's some spots you want to, you know, you brought in a defensive back, you brought in a defensive tackle. I think you need a, you know, a left tackle if all possible. And I think you're going to have to bring in a, a running back uh, as well. And, you know, the way they ran the football this year, it might be a little tougher. Um, I think having an offensive line coach and if there's something you can sell as far as philosophy goes or changes to what you're doing, uh, this team was last in the Pac-12 in rushing. So, you know, that could be an opportunity uh, for a running back. But you see a guy, you know, a talented kid like Marquis Step, uh, what a transfer out. That opens up a spot for somebody. And, you know, you feel like that's going to be someone that maybe fits uh, the air raid, what more what the kind of backs that Mike Jenks has when he's talked about it before. He was like, yeah, I never had a, you know, six foot two, 235-pound tailback in his kind of systems and stuff. And so maybe someone that would fit a more, more of a speed guy, you know, like, like a Keaton Christian, kind of someone like that, uh, a little shiftier, catching some balls out of the backfield. I don't know. Maybe it would be a better fit uh, in Graham Harrell's offense. But I think you do have to look and, and get somebody out of the portal. Um, and, you know, they got a couple already. I think you're going to probably find an offensive lineman and a, and a running back, uh, you know, maybe an inside linebacker too. But I think offensive lineman and running back are two of the areas you really have to try to address. Mm-hmm. Before we jump into questions, uh, probably we need to close the chapter on this. Uh, Urban Meyer took a job in the NFL. Well, bam, we've, I've already seen a lot of uh, comments about like, oh, so I guess we can't talk about Urban anymore. Pretty much. Yes. Ryan, what were your thoughts on that move? Can't talk about him anymore. <laughs> would he have been the best college coach possible you could hire? Yep, he would have been. But now he's in the NFL. So um, people argue, oh, he would never come back to college, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. I'm just saying, if he was going to take over the USC job, boom, home run for sure. Now you don't have to worry about it. Um, I think for Clay Helton, that's that's like kind of this white whale that was always out there. I mean, remember the, the Utah game a couple of years ago where Urban Meyer's actually on the field? So Clay Helton's yep. literally looking over his shoulder at Urban Meyer. Uh, and Reggie Bush and Matt Leinert were over there too. But now you don't have to worry about this stuff anymore. I think for if you're USC, you're the coaching staff, you're, you're just trying to win the Pac-12 next year. They should have won it this year, and they didn't. To me, season was a failure. We talked about that before. You got to go forward and win the Pac-12 in uh, in 2021. And if not, they're probably going to be looking at uh, other candidates, I think. There's going to be one less year on the buyout. Uh, it's going to be a little more reasonable, uh, you know, post-pandemic, hopefully, uh, that you can, uh, you know, buy Clay, the rest of uh, Clay Holmes' contract out and, and bring in somebody else. That somebody else will definitely not be Urban Meyer now because he's moving on to... Uh, the Jags, but I mean, if you listen to him on Fox or watch him on Fox, man, just such such a smart guy. Uh, I'm really curious to see. I like the NFL. I'm curious to see how he does. They have like four of the top 44 picks. They got tons of cap room. Um, if you remember Pete Carroll when he first came to the NFL, he did really well in those first few drafts for Seattle, like because he knew all those great college players because he recruited all those guys. Yeah. You know, Urban Meyer has kind of been involved in that too. So we'll see if uh, he's able to uh, you know help that franchise out. I think he will, but it's you got to get used to losing half your games, basically, right? Like you're, 
Urban Meyer loses a game a year, and he's like, you see him like sobbing, eating pizza on a, on a cart, right? And doesn't like to lose. No. So you're going to be losing a lot, especially the first couple of years. So I, I'm curious to see how this sits with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Chris, do you have any takes on this? The only take I have is that I'm very upset because I have two storage units in Orange, California with Urban Meyer 2021 USC shirts. <laughs> Oh no! I'm out. I'm out a lot of money. <laughs> I got some bad investments made on these shirts. Oh! And if the my investors are watching this, I'll get you the money. <laughs> Sounds shady back deals. That was high upside there, though. If that worked, man, boom! You, you <laughs> took, did, I took a risk. Lunch, you know, yeah. no, you got to risk it for the biscuit, and <laughs> I have no biscuit. <laughs> oh well, poor thing, Chris. Uh, anyway, let's go into questions. Yes. First off, OG King One on YouTube says, "Does the hiring of a strength and conditioning coach really matter that much? How could they really change the game?" I mean, nobody works with the players more than your strength and conditioning coach throughout the offseason. Now, this this offseason was a little different. Um, and Arizona State got to take advantage of this because their state was more open. The players and the coaches got to work together throughout the summer. But normally, uh, you got that spring football period, and then you know, you're getting this 20-hour-a-week thing, but it's with your strength and conditioning coach. It's not with the position coaches and the head coaches, things like that. You get to work with these players much more as the strength and conditioning coach. And we already talked about having a new strength staff at Notre Dame made the biggest difference. You know, they got rid they had a new offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator, all that. The biggest difference from the people I talked to at Notre Dame was the strength staff. So yeah, it's a big deal. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, how good is or bad was Aaron Osmus? I mean, seemed like he got the guys in good shape. I, I mean, it's hard to say. Well, like I said, we're not experts in that, but you want to get somebody that's good running your program. So when Ivan Lewis left to go to Seattle, you want to try and replace him with somebody Good. And now that uh, you didn't renew Aaron Osmus's contract, um, you want to bring in somebody good. So I do think it makes a big difference. Mm -hmm. Chris, what are your thoughts? I mean, as you can tell, I'm an expert in strength, not conditioning, strength. <laughs> but yeah, like just like Ryan said, it's an important hire because of how how much they're around these kids. I mean, you like if a wide receiver coach leaves, yeah, the wide receivers are sad and maybe a couple of guys on the team. But look at the reaction that... Uh, uh, Steiner had with the with his former players. They were all very excited for him. These guys build connections not just with one position group, with the whole team. And and Osmus kind of had this too. There were guys that bought in really quickly, and he had major impact on uh, some of these players. And I think Steiner's gonna have the same same effect uh, when he gets in there with these team, get his hands on on that program. Uh, so yeah, it's 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 super critical and super important. And they had results at Notre Dame, and hopefully you see those results at USC. So I just I, super important. Yeah, given the fact that it's a change, it seems like you can change the culture in that sense if you really want to. Discipline is something where you can kind of infuse that in strength and conditioning. So if you wanted to change that, you can do that through your strength and conditioning coach. Uh, Jerry on YouTube said, uh, now that we know that Tyler Vaughn and Amon Ross St. Brown are leaving, who do you guys believe will take over? So many candidates, I'm excited. I mean, obviously Drake London's the number one, right? Uh, but we got to see a bunch of uh, Brew McCoy Kyle Ford is still going to be out there. He should be recovered and, and be able to. I mean, you still got, uh, what, you know, a couple more five stars that are ready to step in and to those roles. So maybe not as deep of, of a room. You know, I liked what he saw from uh, Gary Bryant today. I mean, well, today, this this past season. But I, I, Kyle Ford was someone that just super impressed me coming out of high school. Um, and, you know, it just it was a bummer that he had a couple of knee injuries. So now going forward, I think you're going to see he's going to play a heavy role in this one. But Drake London's going to lead the way for sure. Mm -hmm. Chris? Yeah, I, I would definitely say uh, Kyle Ford. Obviously, he's coming off two ACL injuries. Always tough to come back. 
But, you know, the prognosis has been good. Positive stuff I'm hearing from people. And maybe about four months, he's going to be 100% back. But that's something you still have to monitor. But if he's 100% healthy, I think he's the number one guy to, to, to at least take uh, kind of that Amon Ra St. Brown role, you know, playing in the slot, can play outside, big, physical, smaller guys just have a, even though he's a smaller guy, he's, 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 he's big. Uh, and, you know, you signed some pretty good, uh, some guys coming in when this class, you have, uh, Michael Jackson, the third out of Las Vegas, who was like a carbon copy of, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown. I know it's harder for true freshman wide receivers to make impact, especially when you have so much talent above them, but he's a guy to watch out for. He's an early enrollee. You have Kyron Ware Hudson, kind of a little bit bigger, uh, Tyler Vaughn's type body. But again, so much talent above them. Don't sleep on a guy like John Jackson. He's been patiently waiting. I think he's a guy who could play inside or outside. He was backing up Tyler Vons when he first came on campus. I think that guy could, I think he's a dark horse to really contribute in 2021. So lots of options. Yeah. We have a Periscope, if you want me sure, to do that. Sure, go for it. Mr. D. Jack, uh, do you think Mike Jenks would be next to fall on the sword due to the lack of a running game? So he's talking about uh, USC's running back coach. Um, I don't... I, for this season, I don't think anyone else is going. There's not going to be any more coaching turnover. Yeah. And if if it's a failure next season, I don't think it would be another assistant coach. I just don't think that would be uh, the case. I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, I was curious about Jinx and how he plays into like the changes and whatnot. And and what I got from asking around was just that Jinx was not going to be one of those guys who who leaves. So uh, interesting enough, Chris. I think you need to see the biggest one of the biggest. I mean, in addition to the performance on the field, I think recruiting also needs to get a boost. Yeah. USC has struggled. It seems like for the last, whatever, three years, they've been trying to sign two backs in a class, and they've just been getting so close. Or they don't even sign one at all. They, were, they signed Brandon Campbell, the four-star out of Katy, Texas. Nice pickup, all-purpose back, kind of fits uh, what they want in the air raid. But there was kind of some, kind of some tension if you if you followed uh, the Peristyle or followed his Twitter uh, when USC was struggling to run the ball, there were some kind of frustrations there. So there was kind of, you know, smoke like, oh, are they going to be able to sign him? Luckily they did. Got him on campus. He's on campus now. Um, but it's been struggling. It's been a struggle for them to sign running backs, and it's going to be a struggle moving forward. So you, you'd like to see a trend in the other direction in that department as well. Yeah, only two running backs in the last three years, right? Um, and this this should have been a year they got two running backs, I think. Um, so yeah, there's. I think it's not just finishing last in the Pac-12. It's you know, who have you signed as far as running backs go? And uh, I don't think the numbers are there. They, they needed to get more. Jimmy on Facebook has a question that, Chris, I think you can handle. He says, uh, what's the status on Solomon Tuliolapupu? He ex is he expected to finally play this year or is he done? I mean, I wouldn't say he's done. I mean, it's a huge setback for a, a great kid. Obviously, the knee injury, the, the I believe it was ACL, if I, if I remember correctly. That's just a tough one to have uh, after he's been battling uh, multiple surgeries on his foot and it seemed like he was finally getting back but Solo's a fighter solo is going to keep grinding and you know everything i've heard he's been putting in the work just to come back better than ever the guy's optimism has been off the charts there's some videos on on social media you can see he's working out looks as big as ever um and you're hoping you know 2021 uh this is the year for solo so uh moving forward i think solo's not done i'm just we're just all waiting to see what he can do on the field because he, he is a talent, but just injuries obviously have been a 
holding him back. Yeah. That one practice we saw, <laughs> the hit, I still can hear the hit he made. So hopefully uh, his recovery it is. It wasn't even a full well. pass practice, right? He still I don't think so. No, it was going was, out there. Just, I think it was shells, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> so it was, it was intense. Uh, Mike on Facebook says, Do you guys see the tight ends getting more in the action? No. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like, until I see, like, uh, <sighs> No, I don't think – it just seems like they're more used as, like, blocking tight ends and they're not really blocking tight end bodies. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's something that would need to change, you know, as far as – but we've seen this offense for two years. They haven't really used the tight ends. I'm not going to assume that year three there's going to be a whole bunch of tight end usage, you know? Chris? Keely, you know my stance on the tight ends. I do. I have so much stock in them that I have to say yes. <laughs> I'm obligated to say yes. Oh. And – I don't know if this is cheating, but obviously you guys probably are aware that USC signed a pretty good tight end out of Florida in this class and Michael Trigg. But is that cheating, though? Because he's more like a jumbo wide receiver. If he's strictly a tight end, then yes, I think he's going to put up some good numbers next season because of what he can do. And he's basically a Drake London clone. So you don't think that they're going to save him specifically as a tight end? This is, this is things I don't know. Okay, but you're yeah. suggesting. But I'm. But he's listed as a tight end, and he's a highly recruited tight end, and he's a heck of a tight end. So does that count, boss man? Does uh, it count? Well, I mean, like you can't say when Drake London was having a big year last year, you couldn't. Some people were like, "Oh, he's kind of used as a tight end." But he's a wide receiver. He's a wide but he receiver. is a tight end. Yeah, if they're only using him, if he's never blocked, he's only used as a wide receiver. Then you know, he's just, okay, he's like an H back or something, whatever he or whatever he's a. Uh, you know, out there in the in the slot, it's mostly working as a receiver. But yeah, I mean, I'm just not seeing that position being utilized all that much. Uh, I don't see that changing in year three. They just seem to do what they do, and we've seen a couple years. Of, you know, we heard they were going to use like 10, 12 wide receivers. That didn't come to now. It's just like there are three or four guys they use. Um, you know, we see the tight ends just get some usage, but I don't think it's going to be significant going forward. Uh, D. Diego on YouTube says, can they hire the Cincinnati offensive line coach? I was told that he's not a candidate. So that answers that one. Uh, Jerry says, uh, will Tuli Tuipolotu be encouraged to move out inside to defensive tackle now that USC has elite outside rushers at defensive end? If it's your freshman. Um, so we'll see, you know, especially with a new strength and conditioning coach, if he, where, he, where he goes weight-wise and stuff. I think that's an option, but, you know, it's, you kind of have to follow where he's going to be in his development. He's, you know, he's going to go from like 18 to 19 years old. You grow, whatever. I mean, we'll see if he gets a lot bigger, you know, maybe he plays the same position his brother was playing. Uh, be interesting to see. That's a really good question. I really like that question because they do have an influx of all those talented edge rushers, especially with Corey Foreman coming in. But I think you kind of keep him on the edge for right now. But if you look at him up close, and I, I noticed this when I was covering him in high school, he's got an incredible frame and he can hold so much more weight. But do you, do you move him inside? I, I don't know. I think because you, you have a big defensive tackle coming in in the Alabama transfer, Ishmael Sopcher. I kind of like him on the edge. I think you can play with him a little bit there, but I wouldn't tack on all this weight quickly just to get him to move inside for 2021. Right now, I'm keeping him on the edge. Interesting. Nice. Chris a Trevino take. Uh, John on YouTube says, any top recruits going to sign next month? Yes. <laughs> And moving on, that's it. Yeah. Moving on, moving on, that's it. The Rajon Davis is the big one from modern day, the the linebacker, and then uh, the defensive tackle from Washington was it? What's his name? T.J. Uh, uh, Tuli Malau. Tuli Malau, yeah. So I don't think you like most likely getting Davis. Probably not getting uh, Tuli Malau. 
Mark Walken says, what were your thoughts on Clay Helton's LA Times interview? Uh, it was interesting. I thought Ryan Carsey did a good job, like asked some good questions. Like there were some pressing questions in there. Um, I don't think there were good, good answers, to be honest. I mean, I just felt like it was uh, given the company line about a lot of the stuff, um, you know, things about accountability. Uh, when he was asked about, you know, replacing those assistant coaches, he basically just reread his statement that they had released. So I, it didn't seem like he was really forthcoming of what's going on, that they're just, I think they're in the mode now. They're just kind of keeping things close and uh, they're going to tell you like the elevator speech that you would give somebody and the, you know, the 35 year old donor that doesn't really know what's going on with the program. You can tell them, yeah, they won our first five games this year. And they're like, okay, that's great. And well, you know, did, does it matter that you had to come back against Arizona that was, you know, on a 12 game losing streak or whatever? No, you can avoid the sort of like, critical talk, the negative talk. And I think that's just what Clay Elton's doing. That's what he's been doing. I felt like he avoided most of the, any kind of negativity from that. There wasn't any like, you know what? We should never, ever be last in the conference in rushing. Um, it, there's nothing like that. I think fans would appreciate that if he came out and said it. We got to do better. Uh, the run game was not good enough. We have talent enough running backs, um, blah, 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 whatever you're going to say. But that's not, you know, Clay Elton's way. So I thought the questions were good. I didn't think the answers were very good. Chris? All I can tell you is the P was very upset with it. So <laughs> that, that, that tells me all I need to know. When is the P not upset? Okay, the P can be a little, you know, unrealistic at times, maybe. But did you feel, like, what did you feel? Did you think, you know, the answers were great? The questions were good? Like, what did you think? Chris? After having to do Clay Helton uh, pressers all season in the morning, it just felt like the same thing I've been listening to and transcribing for the last seven months. So yeah. Yeah. in that regard, nothing new. My, You know my stance on Clay Helton. He is what he is. He's going to say what he's going to say. He's going to be positive. And, and that's what he is in a quote, you know, at least to the public. So yeah. I don't know how much we can really like dissect it at this point. Chain of command. <laughs> sure. Um, oh, that's, that's one of the worst lines you could ever say as the head coach at USC. Are you saying I shouldn't buy shirts? <laughs> Don't put stock in that merch, Hold Chris. On. Get a <laughs> People would buy the chain of command shirts, like the you know. You're anyway. in, Ryan. That sounds like an investor. Uh, we'll talk after this. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I'll back you. Matt on YouTube says, uh, "Who's your sleeper standout for next year, both on offense on and on defense?" <sighs> and uh, uh, Mark to tack onto this said, "Chris, you called the Nick Figaro breakout performance this season. Who's your pick oh, yeah. for breakout player players next season?" I like okay. those. Me. I'm gonna. I'll go. I'll go real quick. Uh, Chris already mentioned uh, Solomon Tuiolapupu. Um, I feel like the inside linebackers can be like really good because that's Todd Orlando's thing. You know, that's his deal. Sure. And what they weren't that great to start the season. They got better. I feel like he's gonna come healthy and just be a beast out there. And the guy I mentioned, Kyle Ford. I think he's going to come on the scene and you know potentially be that number two uh, receiver behind uh, London, which he'll catch a ton of balls. I think. Chris. Do freshmen count, like incoming freshmen? Sure. Sure. It's whoever. Well, on the defensive side, I would certainly say Julian Simon, the athletic linebacker out mm. of Washington, four-star. Guy was recruited as a running back and a wide receiver and a tight end by other schools. USC's linebacker core, core needs athleticism, and I think he's going to bring that instantly. Um, he's going to be an early enrollee, so... Getting him on their campus, getting him learning the system, getting him in the strength and conditioning program, that's going to be huge for 2021. I think he's going to have a good season. I know it's hard to pick a linebacker 
uh, a true freshman linebacker. Um, but he's someone I think that can have instant impact on the offensive side. I kind of mentioned him already, um, but I think uh, John Jackson, no one is talking about him. I think he could could be a guy. I'm just saying look out for him. He's been biding his time. There's some opportunity. There's some passes. There's some receptions up for grab with two, those two big guys gone. I think he could have a I think he could be a guy that could be a dependable weapon for this offense in 2021. So those are my two early picks. I wish I could think about it a little bit more, but I'm sticking with that. I think, no, that's good. Welcome to the tunnel vision experience. I hate it. Question I hate it. Think I don't like it. I don't like it. I want to get off. It's you're doing a great job. I, uh, I think for I mean John Jackson, a great kid, uh, legacy legacy guy. I think they would have to do, play more receivers, um, like they talked about playing a couple years ago, instead of just having like your top four guys out there all the time. I'd like to see some sort of rotation and and you're getting you know jackson's getting 25 snaps or whatever and they're they're rotating some guys in and out so that that would be but if he's not in that top three or four right away it's going to be hard to be a breakout player unless they're doing something like that i feel you pushing back and i don't like it i feel you pushing back on my pick (laughs) oh no no it's a a bad pick that's fine you're lucky there's a wall between us don't be salty because your man tv's gone don't be salty that's true what are you gonna do now ryan are you gonna pick another guy it's t- yeah i'm gonna have to like embrace somebody else on the wide receiver it's course, kyle so. ford you just said it yeah it's probably I, kyle ford. it kind of seems like that a little bit yeah i mean i covered him at the the opening and he caught i think it was 16 touchdown passes in like two days and like all those games and i was like okay this is ridiculous so and, and talanoa left he was also kind of your boy out when you guys true. were in hawaii that's you're it's, it's been a rough rough year i've had some losses yeah (laughs) yeah for sure uh chris mark wanted to know if you're wearing a backwards hat in tribute to shock and spreadling a little bit i'm having i guess you can see i have crazy hair i haven't had a haircut in like (laughs) nine years it feels like so it's keeping it it's keeping it together but it is a little bit of a tribute and i think the tribute helps me fill the shoes of maybe one of the greatest football pundits of our generation one of the most handsome beat writers on on the west coast you know just just so just so humble and just just borderline genius at this whole uh football thing he just he just makes it look so i'm kicking you off the podcast and the show for that and i think shotgun's creeping in our youtube comments so i think he's probably hearing this shotgun you can uh get movie that 20 i was gonna say how much is he paying you exactly um 25 just 25 is is there gonna be an indentation on the wall behind chris as he's like backing away like trying to get away from the camera as much as possible like (laughs) i'm i'm jt daniels uh what was it the opening no no you're uh, uh uh ronald jones ronald jones used to just back up Every interview was we it, had. What, who interviewed someone interviewed JT Daniels where he was just like slowly inching. I think sure. it was Ryan or you. I interviewed him at the the Army All America, but like down in San Antonio, because that's when like he just declared and then you know he was gonna we classified yeah reclassified or whatever. Remember traveling, but I don't I think know. he. We were standing up, but I think I don't think he backed it. Maybe he did. Anyway, we don't need to talk about this anymore. Yeah. Aka Boone on YouTube said, uh, "Does the strength and conditioning coach have experience in athlete recovery?" I'm hearing he's more about building strength. Play re- rehab has sucked the last couple of years. Is that the technical term? It sucked. Yeah, the last of years? I read the questions. That's all. Yeah, uh, I mean, he's got like more of an athletic director kind of title, right? What was his title? It was. Uh... So I mean, he'll Steiner? be. Yeah, like I forget what it was. He was the assistant director of football strength and conditioning. But what he is now, like he's uh, uh, he's the director of, of football uh, 
stuff. Yeah, no, there's like it's like it doesn't say yeah, like yeah, head strength and conditioning stuff. coach. It's like some it sounds like like an athletic directory kind of title, but it, it's not. It's kind of what Notre Dame did. Notre Dame had a, a head guy, and then you have people down so that you have like an overall uh, advancement of football in general. Yeah, and he's going to be you know focused on football before they would have like the strength staff, and they sort of had to do all the sports. Now it's you know more specialized. So yeah, I think they're going to have to have experts on all that stuff on his staff. We don't know who he's going to bring in or what, you know, what kind of staff members he'll, you know, bring in to help him, help him out. But I think that's going to be important too. You want to get good people around him that can help with all, not just building up the strength and conditioning, all that stuff, but you know, with, with recovery and things like that, you, you have to, it seems like USC hasn't dealt with injuries all that well. Um, it's hard to say this, it's this or that or whatever, but there just always seem to be these like lingering injuries, things that are happening. Um, and, you know, hopefully he has some, some plans to kind of mitigate that and not have guys take as long to recover or, you know, lose as much time, as much practice time as we've seen in the past. Mm-hmm. I'm actually going to jump into callers. Um, nice. Let's go to Dave. Hello, you're live on Tunnel Vision. Hey, Tunnel Vision. Dave from Iowa once again. I got two questions. Um, one, how do you guys feel that back-to-back years, USC steals an assistant coach from their rivals? And two, Ryan, if the tight end position isn't going to be used so much, why not just knock out that entire position and then just spend those four or so scholarships on anything, running back, offensive linemen, linebackers, DBs? Love to hear your thoughts. Thanks, Dave. Thank you, Dave. Uh, well, I mean, I think when we saw USC transition away from uh, the offense that had like a fullback and stuff, and then they kind of went to more of a spread thing, you sort of kind of phase out that position. It doesn't look like they're phasing it out. It's just it's just not utilized all that much. So I don't I don't think that's the that's the plan that they want to phase out the tight ends. But you know, just look at the usage. It's just not the production really uh, isn't there. But it, what was the first one? It was uh, poaching. Poaching, yeah, for, yeah. I think for for something like this, um, where the strength staff from from Notre Dame was well regarded, you get somebody that's really good. I think as far as Dante Williams, he's been a godsend as far as recruiting goes. The, the secondary played well. I think it's just really about trying to hire the best people, and if it happens to be, you know, hurting one of the teams you're going to play, that's not a bad thing either. Two birds with one stone. Yeah, it's great. The important thing, though, is to hire the good person. You don't want to just take somebody from a rival that's not that good and you say, well, we took him away. You want to get somebody that's good. So obviously, poaching's, you know, it seems like they're both good hires from people, you know, teams that USC plays. Yeah. What's funny is like Notre Dame fans started fighting with USC fans in my mentions. And I'm like, guys, really, you're fighting over, over this. But, you know, rivalries are rivalries. Uh, we have another caller. It's Nick from Cyprus, I believe. Hello, you're live on Tunnel Vision. Hey, Ryan Keeley, uh, Chris. This is uh, Nick from Cyprus, a.k.a. Big Nick, 21 USC from the P. Hey. Uh, I, just want, I just want to say uh, I've been listening to you guys for the last 10 years, not on Tunnel Vision, but just following you guys, Ryan. Uh, unfortunately, today is my last day. I'll be going to Afghanistan with the Army for a while. Wow. Um, I, just got a couple, I just got a couple questions and a statement. Uh, the number one question is, is Clem a guy that we can get as an off-the-line coach? The next question is on the uh, basketball team. How do you guys feel they're doing this year? And then my next statement or question even, how many more times are you guys going to think you're going to be asked, when are we going to fire Clay Helton? <laughs> and if you guys got a dollar for every time you guys were asked, would you guys be Eli Musgrave, Rich, or 
anyone else risk that is like a billionaire. Just quite, just curious. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks, Nick. We appreciate you, and thank you for your service. Yeah, for thanks sure. for your service, Nick. Good luck and be uh, safe over in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'd be uh, not Elon Musk. Right? He's the richest. Bezos? Yeah, well, <laughs> he's like number two in the world. Elon Musk is number one in the world. Yeah, it, I, I could know. pay off that storage unit. <laughs> yeah, is what I'm you saying can. is what we're, we're, we're it, saying. It's it's asked. Like I, th- I think I did a I did a radio interview in Austin when uh, Sark got hired, and they were asking me questions about that. And then like the last thing they asked me was. It was about like how like I'm like is there a day go by when someone doesn't talk to you about when Clay Helton's gonna be fired? I'm like literally no, like every single day. It's just it's something that comes up all the time. Like for mm-hmm. you guys too, right? I mean, yeah. Is there any day that goes by that that's not doesn't come up? No, no. I just I get it through people. Like my brother works with USC fans, and they're like, he tells them I cover USC, and it's always yeah. when are they gonna fire Clay? It's, <laughs> I, it's I, the I just first get it question. from anywhere, everywhere, yeah, pretty much. Uh, Chris, you went to a basketball game covering for Shotgun. Yes, you did. So usually Shotgun has the basketball minute since Ryan does not uh, uh, recognize basketball on this show. So I'm tossing it over to you, Chris. Basketball minute. What were your takeaways from seeing this team in person? I was excited to see this team in person mostly because I wanted to see, obviously, the projected possibly number one overall pick in Evan Mobley. That guy is really, really good. He's going to make a lot, a lot of money in the NBA. Um but to be honest, it was quite a boring game because uh, Washington was not very good. They were <laughs> one in nine, I believe, and they looked it. Um, so it was it was hard to glean what kind of team this was or what time what kind of team this is or could be. Uh, but I have asked Shotgun about this, and you know they're a young team. They're trending in the direction to be an NCAA tournament team. They have that talent right now. They're second in uh, the Pac-12 uh, behind UCLA and just above Oregon. Um, based on what I saw, this could be a contender for the Pac-12 title. They are a contender for the Pac-12 title, and they are a little bit young, though, um, just at some of those positions. They're built around Evan. Um, I think he needs a little bit more help to kind of re- utilize his full uh, abilities as not only a creator of his own offense, but those around him, because he does have a nice feel for the game, and he can help others create, but they got to take uh, advantage of those opportunities. Um, and then sometimes, you know, they can get complacent. Uh, but I didn't see that at, against Washington. They mainly shut the door on them early in the second half and kind of cruised. Um, so I haven't seen this team get punched in the mouth a little bit. I know Shotgun probably has more than uh, obviously I have. Um, but I think this team is a nice little squad. They have some growing to do uh, with those transfer additions and kind of the young guys already on the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As far as Adrian Clem goes, we did put some stuff in the war room for that. We've not heard that it's a, it's a match. I mean, he's obviously a great recruiter, and that's something that's lacked. For USC, recruiting uh, offensive linemen uh, a little bit. And, you know, he's developed a bunch of players that are, I think, seven starters right now are in the NFL. So, um, yeah, I think there's, you know, he seems like a quality coach. He's an assistant at the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's not the, you know, the main uh, offensive line coach. But just from where we're here around USC, that they're, they're probably not going to be uh, bringing him in. Mm-hmm. All righty. Thanks, Nick. We appreciate how long you've been watching us and, and good luck, like we yeah. said. Um, I'm going to jump into callers in a bit. Uh, let's go back to questions. Uh, SNS Production said, uh, does USC need a five-star offensive tackle or can they uh, uh, go without one as far as depth goes? Well, I mean, you, you need, it's like, well, do you need uh, like a Lamborghini or like, oh, you can get around your Toyota Tercel, but you'd really like to have like that Lamborghini. You'd love to have a five-star left tackle. They just... You know, maybe you have the future 
first round pick at left tackle on the, the roster right now. We just haven't seen it. I think if you know you can develop someone into something like that, but if you can get a proven guy, uh, yeah, I think it would be you know, extremely helpful. Just what Elijah Vera Tucker did moving from left guard to left tackle just fixed a lot of things in this line. I think it made it, you know, if he doesn't do that, USC is definitely not five and oh. Uh, going into that season, so I, if you can get a, a you know a highly ranked left tackle out of the portal, yeah, you definitely want to do it because they just haven't recruited that guy. I mean, yep. the last was it you know Austin Jackson or whatever was the last one. You know, he's a five star dude, and uh, he you know he did well. You haven't really recruited that kind of five star dude since then. So uh, if you can bring in one from the portal, that would be uh, ideal. As far as guys from the roster, Jerry says, uh, do you see a possibility of Andrew Voorhees moving out to left tackle? Is that a possible thing? I don't think so. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I think you'd like to see someone that's there. I mean, you got a guy like a Jason Rodriguez who's, you know, big and you would see how he's developed or um, who they, the was it Jonah Monheim that they were, were they using him there? Uh, or it was Cortland Ford. I think they they brought him in at the left tackle spot. But when you know someone on the the roster that's not been a regular starter, like I don't think you just like, well, who's the best starter left? Moving to left tackle. Like you'd like to bring up somebody, you know? Yeah, yeah, Chris. Yeah, you would like to have someone there just for a maybe. I don't want to call it insurance, but just a little bit more assurance. You have a, an elite guy there. And the problem goes back to, as Ryan said, you haven't recruited that position well. You've missed out on so many local big-time guys. Uh, Panay Sewell, uh, at least on the West Coast. Uh, Jonah Taunau, who's at uh, Oregon. Sean Ryan, who's at UCLA. If you had one of those guys, uh, obviously Panay's older than them, but if you had like Jonah or Sean on the roster, that's your logical choice to make your left tackle. Those high four-star guys, borderline five-star guys. It's okay to take, you know, the three-star guys because a lot of offensive line is about projection. You look at these guys in camps. Oh, they have long arms. They can add weight. Let's get them in a strength program. Get them on a, a college eating regimen, diet, whatever. They're going to put on 40 pounds. You get them, get them working out. You, you could have a future all Pac-12 player from a three-star guy in a couple years. But the problem is USC is taking all these developmental guys and they don't have the guys now for, the, for, the, for right now, for, for 2021 that could possibly step in. If I had to pick someone on the current roster, I think you could maybe flirt with Liam Jimmins moving out to left tackle. He is an athletic guy. He was a tight end. He has that athleticism. He struggled a little bit at guard. So I think it might be a little bit easier if he only has to focus on this edge instead of having to worry about stunts and coming in and out uh as a guard um but who knows maybe casey collier who's the six foot seven guy they got out of uh the freshman out of texas maybe he puts on like 40 pounds this offseason and turns it all into muscle and he looks like a dude in spring camp we don't know um but you would like some veteran developed help out of the portal so i'm not gonna say you need the five-star guy but you really 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 want it <laughs> really really want it yeah, that's that's a fair assessment. A GS on YouTube said, uh, "Is Keen Slovis healthy?" I feel like we never got a straight answer from USC's coaching staff. I don't think we did. Um, I don't think he is. I think there's something that was a little off. You know, you're just saying that though. <laughs> well, for what you've seen, right? I sure. Mean, he definitely got hurt in the last game, and he wasn't going to be able to play. So he's he's not. I would say he's probably not super healthy right now. But something was off. There was just, you know, I don't think it's like a sophomore slump. Something just didn't seem right. They only had two scholarship quarterbacks. There really wasn't a whole lot of options there. Um, 
I, I think something was a little off for him. Sure. I just you, – you said it with such a Ryan Abraham seriousness that people were going to take that and run with it. And I just oh. want to make sure that, you know, you're speculating. This is my opinion. Yes, yes. From observate, from observating. Sure. <laughs> yes. Chris, what were your thoughts? I mean, I'm not going to be conspiracy theory, but I would probably lean towards something wasn't right physically. But I was also in the camp of I think it was more mental than anything. Yeah. Um, but he was clearly not right by the end of the Oregon game. Uh, so do you mean the, – they're talking about the whole season, I think right? they're talking about the yeah. season. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean I'm in the camp of it was more mental than anything. Yeah. yeah. I we am as well. A couple of Periscope things sure, real quick. Go for it. Mario said, Corlin Ford or Casey Collier are there. Why are we sleeping on them? I think they can play left tackle right now. I think, you know, that's what you hope. Uh, you hope one of those guys can come in. We also had USC Man 3. Who do you guys like better for the system uh, in the future? Miller Moss or Jackson Dart? Ooh. Chrissy T. Which one am I taking? Uh, no, the, we'll do the Miller Moss, Jackson Dart. Like, you can... We can already talk about the left I tackle I mean, stuff. the air raid, obviously values that accuracy and Miller has throws a really really nice ball I can't say obviously I haven't seen Jackson play uh, Jackson Dart play in person because I never got a chance to go up to Utah um, but Miller does have that accuracy he does have that quick release he's going to put the ball on time where he needs to go um, but I kind of probably leaning towards Jackson just because of the mobility factor that guy put up crazy numbers in Utah it'll be nice to have uh, a quarterback that can move and maybe pick up some extra yards with his legs. Um, we've kind of poked fun at Keaton that he doesn't know how to slide. I think when you get a running quarterback, they know what they're doing when they're kind of going down. Um, so I'm interesting to see when you take the talent that Jackson has as a mobile quarterback, even though he's listed as a pro style. Um, I'm excited to see what that does in this air raid offense and let his legs do some do do some damage. See, I think I'd go with Miller Moss I and mean, the reasons you said, but it just doesn't seem like. They are emphasize, or they want someone that can move around. Like it's just not the kind of offense that they've had. They don't necessarily want the quarterback taking off and running for whatever reason. So uh, that's why it just seems like the Jackson Dart one. Unless they're going to change like what they're doing a little bit, it seems like a strange, you know, an interesting fit. He's a super talented kid. Like I haven't got to see him in person either because he's from Utah. But just I haven't seen them utilize that aspect of the game. Is he going to do the zone read stuff and actually take off and run? Um, that's been one of the criticisms, right, of the offense where you know Keaton Slovis is never going to just keep it and run. If Jackson Dart could keep it and run, I think that opens up a lot of options for the run game, you know? Uh, but they just don't seem to be willing to do stuff like that. Mm -hmm. As far as Dart goes, Chris, have you seen anyone kind of make that senior year progression as we did with him? Not really. I mean, it's just a, such a big... You see it more on the college level, you know, like uh, Zach Wilson who just came out of, like, Nowhere to become this this high end pick or Joe Burrow in his last year at LSU. It's kind of hard to see it at the high school level, um, but as at least like that. I mean, he jumped from no one knew who this guy was except for he had a pretty cool name, and then he became you know one of the highly highly highest recruited quarterbacks in this 2021 cycle. And then the the numbers he put up were just bananas, like legitimate video game numbers. Um, so I haven't personally seen it. Obviously, I haven't been doing this as long as other people, so they could probably give you a better answer. But at least for me, I have not seen a such a jump like that. But there are kids that get hot at the end of the year uh, as, uh, all the time. I mean, right now, Austin Uke, the, uh, I believe I'm saying that right, the offensive tackle from uh, out of Texas, 
uh, USC offered him when he was just a three-star committed to Holy Cross, and now he just picked up an Oklahoma offer. So it happens uh, a little bit, especially with like linemen. Uh, they get these when they're when you see you can actually watch the tape and see what they're doing. Other other big schools come come looking because it's hard to get you know quality offensive linemen. And that was an offer people kind of made fun of, right? Because right. at the time he only was offered by like you said Holy Cross, but kind of paid off, I guess. Yeah. Chris? Yeah, that's a that's a that's a little bit of a drevno when he saw that early, and then once the every everyone saw USC was offering, that's how it goes. When a big fish offers, other other fish come looking. Sure. Then they like what they see, and then they pop on offers, and so he's probably one of the hottest right now in terms of linemen uh, to close out this cycle. Mm-hmm. We got G Mart and uh, Jerome Martinez in the chat. I and, saw uh, that. YouTube, yeah. it's pretty funny. Oh yeah. no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I think he believes that. Uh, uh, Slovis was injured. Yeah, he put injured. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he's also, I think he's also been critical of USC not really wanting to utilize uh, a running quarterback. So, um, yeah, I, I I do think it could open up the run game a little bit more if you're having that quarterback that can keep, you know, hold it and run a little bit. But they just don't seem to be willing to. I think Slovis can do that more. You know, Matt Fink can obviously do it. Uh, I think Miller Moss can do it some, but Dart, I think, is really good at it. Mm-hmm. Dart saved me. <laughs> and I also got a text from Shotgun who said uh, we saw Dart in person at the Under Armour camp last year in the rain, which I remember. Oh, I didn't remember he was there. Yeah, he was there. Oh, okay. Shotty giving his two cents. All righty, let's go back into callers. First one is, I believe, Tyrone from SoCal. Hello, you are live on Tunnel Vision. Hey, uh, this is Tyrone. Um, I'm thrilled and blessed we got Corey Foreman. But would you rather have Corey or a franchise left tackle? And if you're a tight end recruit, why would you go to USC? Um, I think that was something Dave talked about, and that also goes for the running back position. Thanks, Tyrone. Thanks for the the call, Tyrone. Um, I think you want. I think you want Corey Foreman. I think you want that you know a guy that can be that disruptive and stuff. Yeah, it's great to have uh, offensive linemen, but sometimes it takes them a year or two to develop. Uh, you can figure, you know, you find guys that are like 255 pounds when they're recruited and then they're 305 by their sophomore year and they're complete studs. I think with Corey Foreman, it's just like, you know, that kind of talent you want there off the edge. With those SEC teams that are just killing people with defensive line play, I think you need to to beef it up there whenever you can. And uh, getting a pass rusher like that, I think, would be a higher priority. I don't know. What, what do you guys think? Chris? So is the argument taking Corey Foreman or an, a five-star tackle? Left from tackle. This, from this class? I guess, in this hypothetical. I don't know about I this mean, class, but just in general, I guess. I mean, I would probably take – I'm treating it like I'm taking a five-star offensive lineman from this class over Corey in this in this scenario. That's the question. So, But I'm gonna, still going to take Corey because, like you said, sometimes a true freshman offensive lineman, that's a big jump to go from high school to – uh, grown man in college, and it takes a little bit of time to develop and get those reps. I think it, it's much easier as a defender, um, especially when you're playing as a pass, a pure pass rusher like uh, Corey, will, Corey will be used. And I think USC's pass rush just got a whole lot better when you put him and Drake and then Thule and then Nick. I think the I think the potential is a little bit higher, even though uh, you would like a little bit more blocking. But I'm still taking uh, Corey Foreman, and he's local. You want to get the local. Yeah. Uh, there's no five-star offensive tackles on the West uh, in this cycle, at least. Um, so I'm go- I'm gonna take the the top guy in my state. Yeah. Uh, if it was like Penny Sewell, then I'd think about it. You know, like yeah, I would think a little bit more about that, but I'm taking Corey. Yeah. We have another caller. I believe he is from Tempe. Don't got. We didn't get your name, so sorry about that. You're live on television. 
What's up, guys? So um, I heard you guys talking about um, Jackson Dart and Miller Moss just now. And um, I heard you guys talk about them, obviously, before. And I just want to know, you know, is that rumor that we weren't going to run the ball to quarterback because we were nervous that we didn't have any scholarship quarterbacks left other than Matt Fink if he got hurt, true? And um, if you guys think that'll be changing, we'll let Keaton be a little bit more mobile going forward next year, you know, due to the fact that we have a few scholarship quarterbacks on the roster and um, we have guys that, you know, have proven in high school they can hopefully get the job done. So thank you, guys. Thank you. Thanks. I mean, I guess the whole time Graham Harrell's been there, it's been pretty thin at that position. Maybe that's a factor. Um, I don't know if it would be like a rumor or whatever, but just I, I haven't seen that, you know, that that's been a priority um, for, you know, running the football. Obviously, this year you only had two scholarship quarterbacks. You want to do whatever you can to protect uh, Keaton Slovis. If you have four scholarship quarterbacks next year, is Keaton going to run more? I'm still, I'm guessing no, but I don't know. What, what do you think, Chris? Yeah, I don't think I heard that specific rumor, but I definitely feel like I would be more conscious about putting him in harm's way, knowing that I don't have the depth behind him like yeah. other big schools. So I think there was definitely like a thought in the back of the head, like, hey, let's protect him as much as we can, especially, you know, like when he got hurt a lot his freshman season because he wasn't getting the blocking. I don't want to send him out into the field with these linebackers for free hits as a runner. So I definitely think there was a little bit more uh, thought into protecting him and as a, 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 and getting him out of the pocket and running like that. Will that be more this year? I'm not sure. Uh, off the top of my head, probably not. <laughs> this is like a, a full staff uh, tunnel vision right now because we have Gerard in the comments answering <laughs> questions and then Shotgun's answering questions from the official account. It's a whole... <laughs> Shotgun, you could have just been here digitally. Why am I here? <laughs> if you're if you're, if you're watching the show, you could have been on the show. What am I doing? <laughs> no, no, you're doing great. Uh, thanks for the calls, everybody. Um, we... A follow-up, I said director of football stuff. Obviously, that was incorrect. <laughs> director of football sports performance. So sorry about that. Football little, stuff. You know, it's... it's That's an interesting name, director of football sports performance. It's not, yeah. it's not quite what whatever Stanford calls their head coach. It's like some, you know, like the Meineke. Like there's... Some, <laughs> I forget what it is. Like there's some name for it. Like there's some crazy name. At least it sounds it. innovative. Yeah. Know? Yeah. So. It definitely sounds different than what USC's done uh, in the past. But it does sound more like... You know, AD, he, like he's like part of the athletic department or something. I guess I don't know why you keep saying that. I don't. Uh, I don't fully get that that vibe. But whatever, whatever works. Oh, we've got a question from Coley who says, "Is Oregon currently uh, the leader to win the Pac-12 in 2021, or is it someone else? For example, Stanford and UCLA both showed unexpected improvement." Uh, as of now, I'd still pick Oregon. Uh, this was sort of a rebuilding year with getting rid of the whole offensive line and getting rid of. You know, the, the offensive, whatever, MVP of the, you know, rookie of the league, you know, whatever, of the year in the NFL, Justin Herbert. Um, the fact that they were able to win the Pac-12 this year and what really was going to be like kind of a transition year, I think they're going to be the favorite going into it. Uh, they had another recruited class that's ranked ahead of USC when the composite talent index comes out, which I think is sometime in like July or whatever, when 24-7 sports kind of rolls everyone's roster over and then takes a look and adds up all the, the the star rankings from all the, you know, USC's been number one in the Pac-12. They were top five, even like, you know, the year that USC went five and seven, they were number four in the country in talent. Um, I think Oregon might potentially pass USC. So could be, you know, at least similar, if not better overall talent. And, you know, with the guys they have coming back, I would think uh, Oregon would probably be like the media pick for the favorite in the Pac-12. USC will be the favorite in the South. 
Arizona State's coming on, you know, strong and stuff. Uh, UCLA's definitely looked better. But I think it's probably going to be an Oregon-USC kind of – they'll be the two favorites for the two divisions. Chris? I made the argument on our Family Feud podcast about – or I put the argument out there that USC's title contention took a little bit of a stock down to cross over there. Just because of all the, the talent and starters they're losing to the NFL draft, multiple guys on defense – multiple guys on offense. That's hard to replace, even though you have a top 10 class coming in and a lot of uh, talent on the roster at some positions. That's still a lot to ask for a team to fill, especially we're going to be playing a long season. Um, so I would probably give the edge a little bit to Oregon. I still think USC is a contender, obviously because they have uh, the best quarterback returning in Keaton Slovis. But it all, it's all going to come back to that offensive line and figuring, a way, figuring out a way to protect him uh, once again in 2021. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you look at the USC schedule, the long schedule, you know, certainly the short schedule was a benefit, but the long schedule won't have Oregon, won't have Washington, won't have Alabama. So, I mean, th that's, a, that's a benefit. You can start with San Jose State, who was really good this year. I mean, that's, that's a game you don't want to lose, uh, but they've looked like a legit program, but significantly easier 12-game schedule than it was supposed to be the 12-game schedule for 2020. Mm -hmm. uh, we had a question from uh, David on YouTube who says, how do you feel uh, Orlando is going to play Corey Foreman? Do you think he'll have him drop back like he did with Drake Jackson? I hope not. We need pass rushers. I don't think he will. I think he's going to be, uh, you know, hand like they, they had Drake do a little bit, but I think you're going to have him, you know, hand on the ground, rushing the quarterback. He's played a bunch of, you know, he's played some like middle linebacker and stuff. He, I think he's capable of doing stuff like that. But I feel like you're going to put him in a position where he's just going to be getting after the quarterback most of the time. Yeah, I think Orlando's already drawing up ways to get these guys on the field together. Opposite ends, maybe on the same end, Corey with his hand on the ground, Drake coming off his butt, something like that, a double double rush on the same side. I think there's a lot of ways you can use him, uh, but I expect him to be rushing and rushing hard in 2021. Facebook, if you want to get in on the question love, be sure to put your questions in. I'm reading them. Y'all are having fun, but you're asking questions. Uh, we had a question from Gregory on YouTube who said, uh, did Keaton Slovis harm his draft position this year? Is he still considered a first rounder next year? I mean, he's a true freshman. I mean, this. I think this will define him. Uh, it's a weird Pac-12 year. I don't think you're going to get dinged a, a ton. Um, you know, he's going to do well in his junior year if he does go you know, I think that's going to determine a lot of it. I don't think uh, you you really loved him as a freshman. You didn't like him in a, you know at some points of a weird six game pandemic schedule. I, I just don't think that's going to be a huge knock on him unless he doesn't perform very well as a junior. If he has a good year, I don't think people are going to look at that. Well, look at that sophomore year. That was really weird. Uh, I, I don't think it's going to have that much of a of an impact. Chris, I know yeah. you watch PFF. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big PFF stalker looker. Uh, they've been very high on him. I mean. The time, this is going to be the year, as you say, this is going to be the money year, as you will, going to that 2022 draft. This is the one, you know, people have been pegging as as it for him. Um, now that Trevor Lawrence is gone, Justin Fields be gone, you know, him, Sam Howell, Dylan Gabriel, these are the next, like, top guys in college football that the media is going to be be picking on. And then and uh, and draft experts will be pegging for that 2022 draft. He's even been pegged as the number one pick as in well one analyst said that he could be the 2022 number one overall pick which is a lot to put on him that was coming into the season so it's going to be interesting to see how he handles that knowing that you know he's going to his third year um this could be the year he leaves um but i still think he's going to be a high-end pick uh, i think it dropped a little bit con considering the hype he had 
uh, after his wonderful freshman season. Uh, so I think still he's an early, early day pick. Uh, we had Mario. It's an interesting one. He had an insight on Periscope. Would you want another Sam Darnold or a confident Cody Kessler at quarterback? He says, Dart mm. is Sam and Moss is Cody. I don't know about that, huh. but maybe. I mean, you can make that fit if you wanted to. Sam was fun, so Sam. I didn't cover Cody, so I don't. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, he, yeah, it was, it was uh, he wasn't the big risk taker kind of guy. Uh, there was the, that famous, uh, you know, where they had to throw a Hail Mary and he threw a check down or whatever. His like final it, throw of his career. Yeah, that was. So sort of like apropos, what you know, we saw a lot of that, you know, and but you know he's still in the NFL, I believe, right? Is he still pulling a paycheck in the NFL? So good for him. I think uh, so. Unless I heard he's with the Patriots, I believe. It's yeah, I don't know, but he was before, yeah. Yeah, uh, Greg on YouTube said, "When do you think uh, Larry Scott will be fired by the Pac-12 University presidents?" I don't know if he'll be fired, but I don't think his contract will be renewed, and so I think. My guess is it's going to be something where they're going to be finding his, his contracts up next year. They need to start renegotiating their TV stuff probably late this year, or next year, because it's going to be two years out for 2024. So I sort of think it's going to be a thing where you're going to find the replacement and like make an announcement where the transition is going to happen. I don't think they're going to be like, okay, Larry Scott, you're fired. Um, but I don't think they're going to renew. If they do, it's just, you know, I think just walk away. Like, just leave the Pac-12 if they're going to renew his contract because he's just been awful as the commissioner. Tony Luna on YouTube said, uh, did Dante Williams save USC's football program? Save it from what? <laughs> it's from everyone wanting to fire the head coach? Because, no, he didn't save it from that because everyone still wants to do that. Uh, from what? From not winning the Pac-12? Because they didn't win the Pac-12. He's... He was a big improvement. All the, I think all the assistant hires were a big improvement. Um, they wouldn't have been, you know, 5-0 and going into the championship game without those uh, assistant coaches that they brought in, including uh, Dante Williams. But I'm not sure what you saved them from. I mean, you, you know, or saved. What did you bring them to? Like, there's He boosted recruiting. How about that? For sure. Like, uh, without him, you don't have a top 10 class. I would say that. Um, Tony followed up with players coming to USC, so... Recruiting, sure. Yeah, I mean, you went from the worst recruiting class you've ever had to back to a top 10 class. I think it's uh, significant. I mean, without him, Chris, okay. If Dante Williams is not on the roster, does does Corey Foreman sign with USC? Probably not. Yeah. No. So, yeah. I mean, that's the, the gem of the class. Plus, you know, you got the, one of the best defensive back classes in the country. Certainly, you don't have that without him and Craig Navar doing all that work. So, no, he's... Been a huge boost, but I don't know. Like, I'm not sure what they say. Williams brings juice. USC had no juice. Yeah, no one sure. was talking, at least in a recruiting sense. And this team, you know, USC is USC. They're they're supposed to get all the local kids, and that was obviously not happening uh, with the recruiting class they had uh, in 2020. There was no juice. But when you bring a guy like Dante in, a local guy who can sell the program much better, who can get kids and parents excited about USC again. And that's really what he's done and really helped change the outlook, especially in, re in, in recruiting, uh, getting them back from, what, 54 or something to top 10. And that's probably going to climb a little bit more. And he's yeah. already doing work in 2022, so it's juice. Sure. Could you, you argue, though, the decision makers who recognize the need for Dante Williams and brought him in? 
I mean, he should have been brought in, what, two years ago? Yeah, but the fact that they did, they could have helped save. Yeah, it's like kudos that it's like kudos to the decision makers for hiring good people. Like what that's what you should be doing. Like it's just USC hadn't been. USC hadn't been. Right. So I mean, if you want to talk about who's saving USC, it could be Yeah. You want, you want to know what the concerning thing is. Yes. So what happened when USC lost T Martin? What happened to recruiting? Like their their juice recruiter left and your USC recruiting went into the tank, right? Oregon is still recruiting at a very high level after losing Dante Williams. So that's a that's a concern where it's not just you stole their best recruiter and things have flipped. They still have a better class than USC. So I think that's it shows Oregon's definitely building something there. And it wasn't just you know, when USC was getting some of those top classes, a lot of times it's, it was dependent on one or two assistants. You know, it was like a T. Martin or whatever. Those sure. are the guys who were super recruiters. Oregon's more of a system. And uh, you lose your best recruiter and you're still recruiting at a high level. That's, that's good for them. And it just shows how poorly USC was doing before by not having guys that were able to recruit. But how much does recent success play into that as well? It's part of it too. Yeah. I mean, makes I mean, it easier. Yeah. So if, if for some reason Dante left and Oregon did poorly, then we could see a drop off. I don't know. Like how, what are the variables? And I mean, like, they're four and three this season, but they did win the Pac-12. You and know, they also so. went to the Rose Bowl last year. So, I mean, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, I don't know. Chicken and the egg in that sense. Uh, Chris, we got a question for you from Mark. He says, do you have a, a Maryland crab on your computer? I do. I don't know how much is showing on the computer. Yes, he's a big Maryland fan. Yeah. Uh, Alexander wanted to know, uh, will spring ball start on time? I believe in that uh, interview with Ryan Karchi, Clay Hilton said that they're going to push it back at least till April. Yeah, he said early April um, to give some more time. And we're seeing spring sports are going now, right? So um, you know, I think there's a lot that's going to happen between now and the beginning of April. We'll have a better feel for what's going on. But that's the plan, uh, at least according to Clay Hilton, that they're going to start later, you know, a month later or so than they normally do. If you just get a spring practice, I think that's going to be a win after not having one last year. I think Todd Orlando and crew will love to, to have that, especially with uh, the new guys that you get to to work with. So, yeah, look look for the beginning of April to uh, see spring ball start. Mike on Facebook wanted to know, who do you think USC's safeties will be next season? It's a good question. I mean, obviously Isaiah Polamal comes back. Boom, he's in. Yes. You think the transfer, Chris? What do you? How do you think this is going to go? I, we talked about this uh, <laughs> a little bit on the Family Food podcast. Keep keep plugging away. Plug, stay on brand. Uh, really good safety class coming in. You obviously have Chase Williams, who's been a guy who's been waiting his time. He's the most experienced safety uh, behind Isaiah. Assuming he comes back, if he's gone, Chase Williams is the most experienced safety in, in those true back end spots. You still have Greg Johnson. You still have uh, Max Williams. They're playing that nickel, which is kind of a safety. Uh, but I think it would be, I think the the transfer, Xavier Alford, has uh, an opportunity to come in and take uh, that spot. Uh, but right now, I would probably lean towards assuming uh, Isaiah's coming back, uh, Isaiah, and probably Chase um, with Alford right behind him working in that in that spot. But I'm, I'm also excited. I'm interested to see where uh, uh, Alfred plays uh, for this defense. Yeah, if it's safety or what. But I mean, it's a great defensive back class, though. And, you know, we've seen freshmen come in and like shine sometimes. So who knows? Maybe one of those guys steps up, too. Justin on YouTube said, Any guess where Palaiena Oteote will transfer to? Haven't heard anything on that. I don't know. Um, is it going to be like a UNLV thing or is it going to be like a 
Power Five thing. You know, is he going home? Is he going to go? He follows his brother to Michigan State. Yeah, maybe. Perhaps so you never know. Um, I think I'm going to do one final question, then wrap it up. Unless there's a rapid fire one that comes in that I like. Uh, Raphael on Facebook said, "Who's the other starting quarterback opposite of Steele going into next season?" ITS. Let's move on. <laughs> I would say, yeah. I mean, let's move on. I did. I thought we'd see more of ITS. Uh, he was coming off a knee injury, so yeah. Let's yeah. Let's give a little bit of slack there, but arguably the most uh, physically impressive cornerback on this roster when it comes out. So excited to see what he can do in a full-time starting position and not having to be in a uh, rotation, if you will. Mm-hmm. Alrighty, any final thoughts, guys, before we wrap it up? Ryan, what are you expecting going forward with uh, USC search for an offensive lineman? Uh, for offensive line coach, I mean... A line coach, thank probably you. the next couple of weeks or so. But there's, if they interview some guys and it's just not a fit, they they might have to go back and and restart things and do some more interviews. So I'm not, you know, I don't think there's a time frame on it. But we, I'm, I'm guessing in the next couple of weeks we're going to know who that's going to be. I mean, the thing to be watched for on Monday tomorrow, the last day, you know, the, to declare for the NFL draft. If anyone's last minute, the the transfer portal is year round, so there could be. Guys going in and out of that thing uh, all the time. And well, you know, once they get the stuff secured and they'll start these winter workouts, we'll hear any kind of updates on injuries and guys coming back from things and who's going to be ready for spring football. So we're sort of kind of building up towards that early April date right now once they kind of fill those, you know, the last pieces of, of the coaching puzzle and then find out who's leaving for the NFL. Uh, any seniors that are just going to maybe retire and not come back and play football. Like, I think there'll be a few more of those. I thought we'd hear a few from a few more seniors declarations, but we had only been a couple, I think. It was kind of a, a heavy blitz and then all quiet, which is yeah. suspicious to me. It's a little off. I don't Ooh. like that. Not not suspicious, but I don't like it. When it's too quiet for USC football, it's just, it's like a toddler. If it's they're off quiet, you're like, something wrong is happening. That's what I feel like. Yeah. Chris, you made it through uh, Tunnel Vision. We're this so is, proud of you. The, this is the world worst this is the world's worst uh black mirror episode i hated it <laughs> just staring into this camera all alone i was gonna ask you your thoughts but you kind of already said them how do you think you did i think you survived. i i don't know i hope i never have to be in this position ever again i don't <laughs> you did great chris We're come proud on of you, we chris. should go another hour just okay great. sure yeah let's let's keep going <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Alrighty, I'll put Chris out of his misery. Let's wrap it up. That's Ryan Abraham. That's Chris Trevino. We'll be back next week with Shotgun Spratling, so stay tuned for that. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Bye. What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Haley Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski.